0: Hello oh, and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Uh, full disclosure, Kieran, I think there is every, every possibility that you might not be listening to this out there, everybody, because I, uh, I, I'm in Edinburgh uh, crouching on the fourth floor of a tenement building trying to get a signal. I'm using Ali's laptop and her iPad Uh, to do this which are both state of the art which means I can't really work them Uh, (laughs) she's pacing up and down because she can't work for an hour up here because I'm using her laptop and iPad Um, and producer guys on holiday so the chances of of Kieran and I actually getting all this stuff (laughs) out to you is uh, uh, intriguing but yeah we can make it perhaps we can turn it we can call this Venue 99 and charge people to see this as an Edinburgh show two middle aged men Trying to work out technical stuff. <laughs> How are you, Karen, down there in Brighton with your three points? I, I'm,
1: uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be irritating and cheerful throughout this episode,
0: uh, following uh, following what happened on Sunday. I'm, I'm not <laughs> with Fulham drawing, Bournemouth winning. Ed came home two o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning, woke me up and said, "Have you seen the results?" It's already day one, and we're already looking at other teams around us. It's terrible. Well, anyway, we have we have some news today, Kieran, and in uh, the absence of Guy, we've had... No, oh, there's Finley coming in, because he's heard Venue 99's got two for one today. Dogs welcome. Um, in the absence of Guy, we've had to choose the news as well, Kieran. So. I know. <laughs> it may not be the most of stories. The first one is a big story, though, Kieran. Spanish clubs. Have only registered 34 out of 90 players signed this summer, due to cost control regulations. So they've signed them, paid money for them, but they're not eligible to play play at the moment.
1: Yes, and and you would think that that would be quite an important thing, given that they've they've had to go and pay the fees for the players, they're having to put the players on the on the payroll. Um, but under La Liga's rules, the way that it works is you have to submit to La Liga uh, evidence of uh, the loans that you've got to repay over the course of the next 12 months, mm-hmm. your committed payments in terms of the the, the day-to-day overheads and the, the non-playing staff uh, at the club. And then whatever's left over <laughs> is what you're allowed to uh, pay out in respect of of player wages and and, and amortisation of transfer fees. And uh, it it looks like the the rules are really starting to bite. And I believe La Liga have given some allowances in respect of uh, COVID, but uh, it it still looks pretty grim. And and these rules were introduced in around about 2012, 2013, when quite a few Spanish clubs were in, in genuine financial turmoil. Struggling to meet uh, their commitments in terms of outstanding transfer fees, Uh, players were going unpaid in terms of wages. Um, And I've got to say that the rules are actually, you know, they're they're probably as as good as anything that we see in the game. But uh, you know, the law of unintended consequences means that uh, we've they've signed all these players and they can't play them. And of course, the most high-profile club in respect of this is Barcelona. Mm. who's got lewandowski rafina yeah, rafina and, and and others um and it's 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 in a bit of a mess and um it's it's uh, committed itself to to three economic levers now i i I've, I've worked in the world of finance for for all of my life and i'm i'm now in my 60s and i'd never heard the phrase economic levers
0: before not uh, even from uncle terry He had an actual lever that he used to. (laughs) There was a tire lever, yes. Um,
1: But uh, but uh, Barcelona have uh, utilised three economic levers so far this this summer, and it looks as if one of them uh, is not going to work because it it now transpires that when they sold uh, some of the, I I think it's some of the future TV rights. Um, They they sold it to a company and this company subsequently sold the first 25 years of the the TV rights uh, to a company called Sixth Street in the US. Mm -hmm. And then it sold the rights for years 26 onwards to a company called FC Barcelona and then took claimed profit on it. And Barcelona are now claiming one hundred and fifty million euros of profit on selling something to themselves. So it's a bit like you're holding that pen in your hand. If you sell that pen to yourself for five million quid, are you five million quid better off? Y- y- no. <laughs> no.
0: Yeah, but- sorry, I'm, I'm still a bit spooked out because I forgot we're actually on Zoom for once so you can see the pen. I I've, <laughs> I've freaked out because normally we can't see each other. It's like, my God, he has got inside my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Um, uh, uh, so they sold their own broadcasting rights to yes. themselves. yes. Is, um that, that, how how is it that La Liga are so like you say unintended consequences but they're so hot on these financial rules but that's allowed? Well, La Liga say that that, that it isn't allowed. Right. Uh Barcelona
1: have new auditors uh who say that it is allowed. Now the the, the last auditors resigned after sort of highlighting some of the unusual accounting practices of Barcelona football club. And that was a, that was a one of what's referred to one of the big four uh, auditing firms called Ernst & Young. They've been replaced by a firm called Grant Thornton at transparency. I used to work for Grant Thornton many, many years ago. Um, they are, they, I think, they are sort of yeah, the seventh biggest or the sixth biggest. So, but it, it's a bit like Champions League clubs. You know, the difference between the top four and the rest it, it is indicative. This, this isn't a criticism of, of Grant Thornton necessarily, but uh, you know, why did Ernst and Young? And not normally, a big organisation will want to have a big firm of auditors, yeah. you know, go through its books. So, so that seemed a bit unusual <laughs> as well. Um, And uh, as as a result of La Liga saying, well, we're not so sure about this £150 million of profits, it it looks as if Barcelona will now have to sell another 24% probably of, of Barca Studios to take up somebody else's ownership up to 49%. Um, in order to register all of these players. Now, I think it's got five players that the club has signed during the course of the summer. It could probably register three today if it wanted... Uh, with with the money that it has already raised but of course that's a bit awkward because if you're one of the two that's being left out it's immediately selling a sending a signal to those players along the lines of well yeah we we have signed you but we're not we're not that asked about you yeah we, we've got our favorites so it's it's very messy uh la liga is due to commence uh this weekend you know the 13th uh of of august and uh at present there's there's there's, there's a few shirt numbers with, uh, with no player names necessarily attached to them as far as the registration is concerned.
0: We've had this conversation about Barcelona's levers before. I suspect I may have used the Uncle Terry joke before, but is, is there not going to come a stage where Barcelona run out of percentages of stuff to sell?
1: Yes, it's it, it's a bit like Max. It's a bit like you know, they, they've had they've had their three economic levers to date. It's, it's it's effectively it's a bit like using a credit card to buy your groceries, and they've you they've they've signed up for three credit cards. They've maxed out on those, and now they're going. Oh, our, our solution to our financial struggles is to get yet another credit card. And if you keep on doing that, eventually you're absolutely right, Kevin. In that we will be in a position whereby what have Barcelona got left to sell? Um, and if they want to be competitive with, I think it's not. There's, there's another quite big club in Spain who they don't get on with particularly well, um, as well as you know, the likes of Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, City, PSG, Bayern and so on, you know, the, the clubs which Barcelona considers to be its peer group. If all of those clubs are able to keep 100% of their income going forwards, but Barcelona have sold off 25% of broadcasting and 25% of merchandise and X% of this, that and the other, in three or four years, Barcelona are up against it because Mm. they they don't have as much money coming in because they've effectively sold off the future rights. And it's not the same as what we necessarily see in the Premier League, where you might have a club say, well, I'm going to cash in on the next couple of years of Premier League money. Uh, you know, it, it, the, the Premier League deals tend to be two or three years. Barcelona's selling future rights for you know for tens of years, which, which really does cause issues going
0: forwards. On the subject of Lewandowski, uh, 2019, a few of us went to Krakow, Poland, uh, not a stag do. The oldest one was eighty-seven, uh, and 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 being polite as we do, we all we all learn. Yeah, you, know, you learn the words for please and thank you and and hello, because that's the right thing to do. Except one of the younger ones decided, no, I, I, I don't need. I'm just going to say Lewandowski. Whenever I ask for something uh, and they need a please and thank you, I'm just going to go Lewandowski. I don't think that's a good idea. But, uh, he decided to drop it after the first bar. <laughs> oh, really? He, he tried it, yes. It didn't go down very well. <laughs> this lad behind him, I was speaking in impe- impeccable English, wondering why this little tubby fellow was going, Lewandowski! <laughs> uh, I feel, do you know what? I'm using Ali's earphones as well. I've, I've, I haven't got my big Craig David headphones in. I feel slightly naked. This is this is a very strange experience. We've spoken recently, Kieran, about Plymouth's shirt sponsors and Wigan's shirt sponsors and what brilliant altruistic gestures they have been. I think it's safe to say that Barnsley's new shirt sponsor doesn't fall quite within those parameters. Uh, the, a company that calls itself the world's first certificate, certificate, as my grand used to say, the world's first certificate of deposit on the blockchain. That, that is, <laughs> I take it that's not the company's name because that's going to take up <laughs> a lot of the shirt, basically. But it is, um, it's a country mile different from Wigan's new sponsors, which are essentially a f- you know, food bank type charity.
1: Yes, yes, this is a company called hex.com. Um, and if you go on to hex.com's website, it says uh, you buy our product, it av- averages a 38% return a year. And uh, that, that, that sounds pretty impressive. Yeah. That, that, yeah some people some people might say that uh, that sounds too good to be true. A cynic might say that if something <laughs> sounds too good to be true, it's potentially not true, but we're not cynics, as, as we've said. Um, so so what, what is what is a, a certificate of deposit? The certificate deposit normally works the following way. A bank issues a piece of paper, and it will say, uh, I will give you a piece of paper. I buy that piece of paper from the bank, and the bank says, right, you are now locked in. You've given me $10,000. Um, I'll give you a $10,000 back in six months or three years or five years, and I will guarantee you interest on that. Um, and it, it's normal, you know, in, in normal business, uh, in normal sort of investing circles, certificates of the deposit are viewed as pretty low risk uh, pretty conservative investment uh, I, kn- I know in 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 the US you're, you're covered for the first 250 thousand dollars that you'd put into uh, put put into a certificate of deposit issued by a bank and that's to protect investors because you know most banks survive as we know but there's the occasional glitch so this is to give uh, you know a degree of comfort to people putting in. Um, when it comes to hex.com because it's not a bank, uh, I, I, it looks as if that, that insurance doesn't exist. Um, it says you can lock in your money. And, of course, you you, you buy via uh, Bitcoin, not, not Bitcoin, buy crypto. Um, and you, you lock yourself in between one to 5,555 days. And it pays rewards. And it says the longer that you lock your money in, the, uh, the more rewards that you get. Again, again, that on the face of it. That seems fine. Um, when Barnsley won their match on Saturday, uh, it tweeted, "excellent result. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. I, I, I get that. You know, new sponsor and so on. Um, I, I think it's fair to say I I expressed a, a modicum of caution with regards to the sponsorship. And the uh, the, the followers of Hex.com, who call themselves Hexagons, nice. um, and this is yeah, I'm 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 in on the joke. I I'm, I've got a sense of i you. Th- I think it's fair to say that the, the following of Hex.com is is a bit cult-like. It's it's a bit like the Church of Scientology. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for the next forty-eight hours, I was pretty much you know <laughs> took a hammering on wow. on social media, which which is fine. You know, I've I've got, got me big boy pants on. Um, I, I I can deal with that. Um, and you know, getting some mysterious messages and so on um hex.com is it uh, is run by a, a guy called richard hart and he's got stuff out on social media where he he goes around and he shows people his fast cars and his gucci clothing and his and his uh, and his bling and so on and um, i'm thinking well you know, fair play to you. you you've done well out of this if, if if somebody's doing really well out of a product it might indicate that other people are not perhaps doing quite as well. And if I've had to lock my money into Hex.com for a long period of time, is that, does that mean that Hex.com is going to be around to pay me out in, in 5,555 days? The world's wrapping a changing one. Um, and, and it's subsequently come out, and, and Barnsley is now investigating this, that, uh, that there have been, shall we say, uh, uh, unpleasant homophobic tweets coming out from people connected to to Hex.com, which which I don't think reflects particularly well uh, on on the people concerned uh, or necessarily the organisation. So um, it's it's a bit ugly. It's it's a bit messy. Uh, Clubs have to raise revenue. We're we're fully aware of this. But uh, this particular sponsor arrangement doesn't look Great uh, in mm. terms of a the nature of the product and, and B sort of the nature of the comments coming from people. You know, I I, I, I take a pretty zero tolerance approach to you know, racism, homophobia. That that doesn't, doesn't make me doesn't make me a woke individual. I think it just makes me have have a sense of values.
0: I, uh, Kieran, I think the person who is uh, proudly holds the record of having donated the second highest uh, uh, entries to. This is Profanosaurus, can definitely not describe himself as woke necessarily. These these people who tweeted you, these followers of Hex, which is a stra- I mean, followers of Hex sounds like some kind of Dungeons and Dragons type game. Okay, but are, do you think they're genuinely followers of Hex or staff members?
1: No, well, they I I think they are genuine followers. I mean, they certainly they're. That their Twitter names would indicate yes. that they are they are disciples of the church. Um, so, sometimes you can spot a bot quite well, um, but uh, yeah, and and, and also, you know, I, I, I there's no reason why I shouldn't be immune from criticism. Um, and, and it could be that I, I do know nothing about
0: finance. Um, <laughs> you know, I hadn't considered that possibility. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really. They should try it on with Swiss Ramble. I just, I just, we, we live in a world where blockchain has got followers this is um let's get let's get onto some safer ground kieran uh the the sources of funding for the birmingham takeover are being investigated which enables me to say which i haven't done for two weeks bassini <laughs> yeah it's, it's all quiet on the
1: lawrence bassini front which um which is uh, you yeah, know, is mixed news because uh, Lawrence yeah. has promised to come on the show once he completes the takeover. So so yeah, we are looking forward to having a chat with him. Um and but then, and,
0: and, and once he's had that fight with Simon Jordan behind the car park at Little that's that he's promised right. to have. <laughs>
1: Yes. Um, so th- th- there are now two potential owners, Paul Richardson uh, and Maxi Lopez, the former Argentinian footballer. And I think initially they were were due to buy 21.64% of the shares of Birmingham Sports Holdings from a guy called Von Peck, who sounds a bit like a Bond villain to me, <laughs> um, and, and the remainder over two years now. It, it's now gone very, very quiet. And, and the issue with Birmingham is that the club is listed on the, the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. So any major transactions you would normally expect to, uh, to be confirmed by the Stock Exchange, that seems to have gone a bit quiet. We've now got sort of a, you know, a broad agreed price, from what I'm reading, of £36 million for the club, plus an extra 10 million if Birmingham are promoted to the Premier League in the next X years. Um, but uh, where is Mr. Richardson and Mr. Lopez getting their money from? This is where it's getting a bit confusing. Apparently they paid a £1.5 million deposit. Um, there's now accusations or there's now Things that we're reading in the media that the, the, the next deadline has been missed, um, and that perhaps they are now seeking funding, and that funding might be coming from Russian sources via Cyprus. Oh. Now, um, as, as you know, I've I've taught in Cyprus on on many an occasion, um, and there are very close links between Cyprus and Russia. Mm. Uh, if, if you're a Russian citizen, you don't need uh, you don't need a visa, for example, to go to. Uh, to Cyprus, um, and Cyprus is, does have a bit of a reputation as being mm-hmm. the the uh, sort of the money laundering capital of 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 the EU, and I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. Um, so, so where are we now? Well, you know, clearly the EFL will have to approve any deal, and it could be that they might feel. Uh, uncomfortable because the EFL have beefed up their rules. They do now seek uh, indications as to where clubs are getting their finance from and where they're getting the funding from in terms of takeovers to make sure that it's not from sources that they feel uncomfortable with. So it, it does it does appear to be a bit of a spanner in the works hmm. uh, with regards to this particular takeover.
0: I, I know Producer Guy likes us to maintain a sense of balance, Kieran, but I, I sense on the money laundering right or wrong argument, we probably plump for wrong. <laughs> but having said that, with the caveat that, of course, London is is the one place that could probably give Cyprus a run for its money yes. as the money laundering capital. <laughs> Just as a matter of interest,ing the the various stock exchanges around the world, do they all abide by the same rules when it comes to transparency, etc., or do they have different regulations for? It?
1: No, no, they're all independent of one another. In, oh. in order to get credibility with global investment. You you do need to run a yeah you know, what a pretty pretty transparent set of rules because otherwise you know, why should somebody in the US put money into a Hong Kong listed company if the 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 people in charge of the stock exchange themselves um, are running running a poor ship right. so yeah uh, you know, Hong Kong does have a pretty good reputation.
0: This is a very interesting story, Kieran. The National Crime Agency is investigating the possible involvement of the Albanian Mafia and a convicted match fixer over the mysterious Granite Xhaka booking last season. The the odd word in that uh, sentence is mysterious when it comes to Granite Xhaka booking. You can can normally put... We could all put our money on a Granite Xhaka booking (laughs) at those stages. So... uh, there's been allegations of match fixing at lower levels floating about for some months, haven't there, with not very large amounts of money, but this sort of ramped it up a bit, hasn't it? This,
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's no evidence, and I don't think there's any accusation in terms of match fixing per uh, se. Ah, right, OK. Um, <laughs> It's but what you can do now, of course, is that you can do spot bets, yeah. Um, in in respect of individual activities, you know, somebody gets a clean sheet or a goal or an assist or, or individual players, uh, yellow and red cards. And this is not an accusation, but it's an observation. It's a lot easier to get yourself a yellow card than it is yeah. to score a goal,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and yeah, Granite Shacker. Oh, it is a player with, with a reputation for uh, being being friends with the referee's pocketbook we are fully aware of that um this this is in a, in a match at elland road i think it was arsenal were were winning 4-1 at the time and um uh, granite just went up to the ball and just stood over the ball for mm-hmm. about 20 seconds yeah now why do that when you're 4-1 up um and, and it subsequently transpires that there there was there was Fifty-two thousand pounds staked. Um, I think it was majority of this was on Betfair that Granite Jacker would get a yellow card in the last ten minutes, and this just happened to take place in the eighty-six minute. Mm. So, so uh, you know, the the the, uh, the gambling companies do uh, a, an awful lot of uh, up-to-date research themselves because they're they're always on the lookout for unusual betting patterns. So, why would so much money go? Onto Granit Xhaka getting a, a booking in precisely that time. That there's no evidence of any untoward behaviour uh, from the player. You know, we, we have to stress this. And and as you rightly say, Granit Xhaka uh, is, is is a walking uh, a card appeal. Um, there's also been uh, accusations and difficult to prove this because of the nature that it it wasn't just fifty two thousand pounds was being spent, but an awful lot of cryptocurrency bets were being placed and of course you, you those are very very difficult to trace as well so um and then we come up with our very good friend alban jusufi oh, um well, yeah yes. exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah i've i've got i've got his name on the back of my shirt as well um he's a he's a former swedish albanian striker he he was banned for 5 years um for uh uh, uh, some sort of arrangement where I think he offered a, an opposition goalkeeper 150,000 euros to fix a match in the Swedish league, and the Swedish mm-hmm. FA got to hear about it. And I think the match was called off. Um, it, it's it's uh, it's alleged that uh, that Alban or Albie to us, you know, he's a mate, mate. Um, the Al, of the show. I call of he's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That he bet on this yellow card as well, a substantial amount of money, and uh, and and made a lot of money on the back of it. So it's an ongoing, uh, it's it's an ongoing issue. Um, The match, the match result was unaffected. Granite Jacker's disciplinary record, I think it's fair to say, wasn't necessarily significantly tarnished. Um, as a result of this. So, you know, the, the major losers here uh, would have been uh, the likes of Betfair. And I think it does show that uh, you know, spot fixing is, is a much bigger issue or potential issue in football than match fixing uh, if, 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 uh, if, if these types of things are taking place. But it, it will be spotted. The,
0: the, the thing with spot fixing, Kieran, it's, it's criminal, it's wrong. Mm. Uh, The gambling companies make themselves a hostage to fortune by offering, as you say, a myriad of of unlikely events that could take place. Now, gamblers will find a way to try and make those unlikely events happen. Uh, uh, And there's no point suggesting to Bet365 or Betfair that they stop offering these things because they'll find something else to offer instead. But they're partly hoist by their own petard. It's as simple as that. Because if you've got a player with a reputation for getting yellow cards, then somebody's going to eventually put some money on that player getting a yellow card. Mm. Yeah. And then it's also not fair to Granit Xhaka because there are always people who put two and two together and come up with five. And I have to say as well, though, Kieran, friends with the referee's pocketbook does sound like one of your Pothanosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I might start working on that one. On. Um, the FA has introduced new rules to protect the heritage of clubs, which is something we've been banging on about, uh, I think is the technical term, for quite some time.
1: Yes, yeah, uh, and and fair play to the FA um would this have taken place had the uh, tracy crouch report not been ever published (laughs) Uh, i'm not so sure
0: (laughs) well guys away obviously you're going to crowbar in a story that has a reference to tracy crouch and you sitting in a tree (laughs) k-i-s-s-i-n-g
1: um but but it's it's good news so um, in, in respect of club heritage, what the FA have said is that if there are proposals to change the crest uh, or the or the colour of the home shirt of a team, um, there has to be uh, an appropriate consultation process. Uh, there has to be evidence, the club has to evidence that there is majority support for the changes. That could be some form of poll through, through members of the supporters club or season ticket holders um, and so on. Um, I think this is the FA throwing its hat into the ring mm. uh, in terms of if there's going to be an independent regulator the FA's sort of you know, sort of come, we can do it um, because the FA has lost uh, a, a lot of power in the game following the the rise and the success of the Premier League and, and the fact that we now have three uh, senior administrative bodies in in respect of of, of English football um, does does sometimes lead to uh, you know duplication and, and gaps arising in the game. Um, it, it's it's a good thing, you know. Check changes of crests. Is, is it is it that important in the wider scheme of things? If they're changed slightly, uh, the, the chances of of home shirts being changed are are relatively remote. So, yeah, it's a step in the right direction. Fair play to the FA for doing it because they have done it and the other, you know, the alternative is not doing it. Um, does it therefore negate uh, a, a broader uh, issues uh, and investigation and control uh, or responsibilities in respect of the governance of the game? I, I, I don't think it is, but it, it's, it's this constant crumbs from the master's yeah. table on the, and on the back of that. Well, we don't, we don't need a regulator because look what we've done. We, yeah. we are now protecting the club's crest uh, yeah, the, the club's crest was never really the core issue uh, in in respect of the, the fan-led review.
0: Well, the FA must feel even more under threat recently, Kieran, because following uh, the Lioness's brilliant win uh, two weeks ago, several high-profile figures in the women's game, Emma Hayes, for example, arguing that the only way for the WSL to grow as a product is for it to be taken out of the hands of the FA and put into the hands of an independent uh, Person who are more, as she says, more able to work with the product and expand it commercially. So, I mean, that's not good news if you've got people like her saying to the FA, "Thank you very much, but you've done as much as you can for our game." Yes, yes. Uh, Whether it's the Premier League
1: that is that new body is it it appears to be fixed. And you know, my my biggest concern, as far as the WSL is concerned, is that we end up with premier league mark two in which it's dominated by relatively few clubs and then there is there's a much broader struggle I I think in in growing the game because you and I we will go and watch Brighton on Palace whether we're in the premier league or league two or the national league because you know it's it's our religion it's our addiction the the nature of support in the WSL is that it's it's an, it's an embryo product uh, and and getting that degree of brand loyalty is still a challenge for clubs and and, and that's part of the problem that they have you know, the average attendance is only 2,000 you're not you're not going to grow attendances in the WSL uh, or, and in the women's championship if we're getting clubs winning you know five six seven nil on a regular basis when it's Arsenal, Manchester City yeah. and Chelsea coming to town. So that, that's the real challenge for the game. Um, and who, who makes those decisions? You know, is it, down to the clubs themselves to a large extent because they're all losing money at present. But it is something that has to be borne in mind.
0: Yeah, the uh, Premier League kicked off at the weekend, Kieran. Uh, rather annoyingly, the, my favourite venue in Edinburgh, which I made a beeline to uh, when I got off the trains, they got a lovely big open garden. For some reason, it's put a giant TV screen in this year. So I just got there as Brighton scored their second goal. Oh, right. That, that cheered me up. Just I've been so excited about getting to Edinburgh. <laughs> the first thing I see is Brighton scoring their second goal. Uh, Forest became the first Premier League club, Nottingham Forest, back in the Premier League to the delight of their fans, obviously. And also, some of their fans might be delighted by the fact that they're the first club for many years to kick off the Premier League without a shirt sponsor. I mean, that's. Uh, I presume there's one on the way, because otherwise there's a... <laughs> A big chunk of income missing out there, isn't it? Well, um
1: I think yeah. Forest are yeah. If if the stories are correct, Forest are holding out for for ten million pounds. um That that appears to be their their asking price, and at present nobody is bitten as, as far as that price. Is. I, I've I've spoken to some people in, in the commercial departments and other clubs, and they say, well, yeah, if it's if it's a sort of a, a white label betting sponsor. Um, you're normally looking for somewhere in the region of you know six to seven million for a club that's just been promoted to the Premier League now Forrest will be able to say well hold on you know we've won the european Cup twice surely that that means uh that means you know greater value um but but the reaction today of, of potential sponsors well you know, we're, we're not committed because they're more concerned about you know how many eyeballs they are going to see us um, not necessarily the, the the amazing achievements of Forest, uh, you know, when when they won those two two finals, and, and of course won the prem, not, not the Premier League, they won the the old mm. Football League League One. Um, so they they did have a front of shirt sponsor last season called Box T. Box T took over from our very good friends Football Index, mm. who um, uh, who. Uh, disappeared without trace uh, and Forrest rightly dropped them immediately when when issues started to come to light. So I think Box T are, are are a wee bit disappointed that the relationship's not continued at a price which is mutually acceptable. They were certainly willing to to bid. Uh, but it looks like they've not come up with enough money. Um, so Forrest are, are holding firm. Um, whether we'll be having this conversation in three weeks time and they've still not got a sponsor, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but it, it's, it it is indicative of uh that there's not a huge number of industries that are willing to pay big bucks to uh to become front of shirt sponsors because uh yes it increases profile does it increase sales of your product nobody's ever really managed to uh, uh come up that's so, yeah, yeah and you know do I go and buy american express travelers checks because they they sponsor my club i, I don't do that i don't know anybody that does it
0: no fans of a certain club who would do whatever the opposite of American Expresses. <laughs> yes. Um, can you just remind me, Karen, White label betting company. What does that mean? A, a, a white label betting company
1: is. It's normally a betting organization registered in the Isle of Man or Malta or Gibraltar, which is based in the Far East. Uh, you know, oh, and, and we okay. and we know that, there, that there's a lot of interest in betting in in, in Asia. Um, And it doesn't have a website as such in the UK. Or or if you're a UK citizen, you normally can't bet with these um, because they're just not interested in the UK market. What they're trying to do is to raise their profile in the Asian markets and the Asian handicap market in respect of of, of gambling is is always an interesting one uh, in in terms of the odds. And and that's where uh, I think this this was set up. This was actually set up by, by Tony Bloom uh, who owns Brighton? No, he was involved in this, and this is where, you know, if uh, if Liverpool are at home to Brentford or Forest, uh, Brentford and Forest start off with plus two goals, uh, and, and then you bet on, effectively, on, on some sort of a, uh, equation based on that. Um, so, so there's uh, there's there's quite a few of these because the the big UK. Uh, gambling companies with the exception of bet365 who of course have got historic links with with stoke and betway who've got a very good relationship with west ham you know, william hill gatlab brooks uh you know paddy power that they don't actually do front of shirt sponsorship themselves because they they prefer to to use their marketing budget for in, in other ways
0: mm. uh, producer guy is a man united fan but he's away yes. which is why he hasn't stopped us talking about this story um Manchester United are it says here' celebrating 10 years on the New York Stock Exchange here do they have much to celebrate um well if you had put a thousand
1: pounds into Manchester United 10 years ago today we're recording this on the 10th of August um, you'd have uh, less than a thousand pounds coming back you'd have about uh, you'd have about 830. So, so the, the value of Manchester United shares over the course of the decade has fallen by about 17%. If you put a £1,000 into Juventus's shares 10 years ago today, you'd have £2,000 uh, in, in terms of the value. Um, if you'd invested in the likes of... You know, people say to me quite often, you know, why are Manchester United registered in the Cayman Islands and, and trading in New York? Yeah, it's, it's Manchester, and part of the reason for that is that when Manchester United were initially listed on the London Stock Exchange, uh, Manchester United's management didn't think that the market really understood Manchester United and undervalued the shares. Well, it looks as if they, the US markets have, have, a, have a broadly similar approach. And you know I've, I've, I've done a, a bit on this, um, Manchester United have come back and said, well, you know, the, the stock markets have fallen. I absolutely agree with that. But overall, the Dow Jones index is 89 percent up compared to 10 years ago. And that's despite the fact in the last six months, things have turned bad. So uh, it's, it, it's not a great performance. Yes, I know Manchester United pay dividends to shareholders. For shareholders read the Glazers because mm-hmm. they pick up over 80 percent of those dividends um and uh, other clubs don't do that but it's it's not a good performance and and then you've you've got to ask yourself why and you know i I do sort of financy stuff uh, as well as 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 the podcast as you're aware And, and if you look at the success of any company it comes down to the quality of management the quality of senior management. You know, why was Apple a success? It was down to Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg for Facebook, you know, uh, Bill Gates and, uh, and and Microsoft, and, and you, know, uh, you know Elon Musk and and Tesla and so on. Therefore, you've got to look at what's happening at Manchester United and say, well, have the Glazers delivered? Uh, in terms of making the right decisions. They, they have put money into the club. You know, Lots of people would say to me, oh, Manchester United haven't invested in players. Manchester United have spent as much money over the course of the last decade on players as any other club in, in the Premier League. I, th- I think Chelsea and Manchester City might have spent you know, 20 or 30 million more. Yeah, that, That's nothing over a decade. Um, all, all management is about opportunities and decision-making. There's been lots of opportunities for Manchester United. I, I would argue that those opportunities have not been seized. And i also argue that the quality of the decisions which have been made have, have been poor. And, and that's why the club is, is where it is today. As much as I am absolutely delighted and you know, one of the happiest days of my life that we won at Old Trafford on Sunday, Bright, Brighton starting 11 costs less than Fred. So, you know, it, it, it's... Uh, and, and when you've got that financial advantage, you've, you've just got to ask yourself, there, there's something rotten at the core of the club that it's performing not only badly on the pitch, but it's actually performing so badly off the pitch
0: as well. See, I don't do the financial stuff, as you call it, but it, it seems to me that it, that's, that's you know, the stock exchange indicator. That makes it more difficult, surely, to get any outside investment should they need it in the future because if people are going to go well we're not going to get any money back out of them. so that just means there's more financial pressure on the Glazers to put money in on, on the infrastructure etc which they're not doing so how do they how, this is, it's, a, it's a very awkward way of saying how do they bounce back from this how do they repair their performance on the stock exchange
1: um, well the, the stock exchange is forward looking Manchester United share price bounced up when Super League was announced when Project Big Picture was announced because and both of those projects were created in such a way that you didn't have to win football matches in order to be in the, the competitions. Yeah, totally. um, and, and clearly, that's what the Glazers want. They, they want the best of both worlds. They, they want the global appeal of the Premier League, plus the, the, uh, the guaranteed franchise revenues that you get from being in the NFL and the NBA and so on um how do they bounce back? Well it, it does now look as if the club is going to borrow money to to expand Old Trafford because it has fallen behind both uh, well certainly on, on a qualitative basis. Um, the markets will lend to Manchester United uh, yeah, Manchester United is, is a low lending risk that might generate uh, more money in due course but it, it, in terms of getting it right in the boardroom and uh, and in terms of recruitment, that ultimately has to go back to the glazer family themselves um and yeah they're not football people um they've they were they had in uh, in David Gill and sir alex Ferguson I think they had two excellent people both in the boardroom and uh on on the pitch uh, in terms of the ability to deliver um it's it's really it, it's just Poor management theory. Yeah, and I do all this sort of the theory nonsense, so yeah, part of my job. Um, to to lose two really senior members of staff at the same time. Yeah. You you do succession planning, you make sure that you can cope with with bumps in the road. And and the Glazers just seem to think, you know, we're Manchester United, we've we've got a God-given right to win trophies. And that was on the back of of the success of Sir Alex. Uh, and perhaps. That uh, they thought all they had to do was uh, just just back their own judgment, uh, following his departure and that of David Gill. But it, but it's it's not worked out. Uh, you know, I've I've got, you know, I've, I've said it many times that I played I played for Trafford Cricket Club for thirty years. I shared a dressing room with you know half, half were City and half were United, um, and and I've got you know loads loads of friends who who are, are you know got a huge attachment to the club. But what they're getting in return isn't great.
0: Mm. Uh, two more stories, Kieran. Um, the first of them is uh, Newcastle are visiting your place on Saturday for a top-of-the-table mm. Premier League clash. <laughs> uh, and they're wearing a special one-off kit just for this game. Why is that? Um, but what What's the purpose of a football
1: kit? It's to distinguish your team from the opposition.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, Newcastle have got three kits – Neither of which distinguish them from a club that's wearing blue and white stripes, and and you would, you would have thought <laughs> that this might have fought, you know that they might have brought this into attention. Um,
0: Is that Man United you, on the phone? <laughs>
1: very probably. <laughs> um, you would have thought that this. They might have realised this um, a little bit earlier. You know, it's you know, their second match of the season. So I think they're wearing some sort of green kit. So I think I think their away kit is blue. Um, they've got their third kit, which is mainly white with a little bit of trim. Uh, you yeah, know, this is the one which has been the, the accusations of of being the Saudi Arabian kit. Yeah, right, if, yeah. Yeah, if, if it appeals to that market, then then right. then I I, yeah. I, I I see the commercial benefits of doing so. So yeah, they've had they've had to bring out a special kit uh, to to play at the Amex. Uh, I, I don't think there's any other clubs in blue and white stripes in the Premier League, but you you really ought to. I, mean, I, I talked just mentioned about Manchester United. You you plan ahead for things, and this appears to be something which has been uh, not not taken seriously or not noted by uh, by the people designing the kits.
0: Well, there are two issues here, Kieran, as well. And we 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 talk about the colourblindness thing before mm. and and some people said to me well there's only 8.6 percent of people that are colour bar but that's a lot of people when in mm-hmm. the great scheme of things watching football every weekend that's quite a chunk of people who can't distinguish two teams apart either at the ground or on tv but also and, and we're not cynical kieran so we wouldn't suggest this at all newcastle must know that there will be fans who buy that fourth kit mm. even if, oh, they yeah. only, if even if they only wear it once and in fact, that's more of a reason for them to buy it, a kit, a, a kit that the sh- a shirt that the club only wore once. So d- there is, you do think there is an element of them going, yeah, they have done their forward planning, and their forward planning is, we'll get more money out of an extra shirt. Could could very well be. Yeah. Could very well be. See, you're so non-cynical. You didn't even take me up on that because <laughs> you've had enough tweets this week. <laughs> had a, bad enough, Hex followers are tweeting you that. Newcastle fans are tweeting you as well. a uh, last story, Kieran Bosman Mark II may allow clubs to play in leagues from different countries, which is, we've probably discussed this every fourth pod, the idea of smaller nations combining to make a more effective, uh, broadcast-worthy league. So this could happen, finally.
1: Yes, this is um, FC Swift-Hesperange mm. in Luxembourg, who, who have ambitions. Good. I uh, we, we, we should have ambitions. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm all in favour of that um they um they are taking on the the luxembourg fa and uh, they're also taking on uefa and i believe that the, the the lawyer that is being used to put forward the case was the the lawyer in respect of the mark bosman case um and this this could result in uh, the the rules which currently prevent clubs effectively from moving countries um, that might be deemed to be uh, anti-competitive because we have to be realistic you know a club from Luxembourg is never going to play in the Champions League if it's playing in the Luxembourg League Um, and you know somebody's also said you've you've got cities such as Dublin you know we we both have got you know uh, affections for Dublin but no you know Shelbourne uh, they ain't they ain't going to qualify for the Champions League, either because the, the Irish leagues, but if they were if they were playing in another league, or if there was some sort of Atlantic league, so we'll see how this one progresses. But it uh, it, it it could open the door, and certainly I, th- I think there have been uh, eyebrows raised in in Glasgow about what would this be. What would would the circumstances be, or what the consequences be? Should this should this work in in the favour of uh, FC Swifter, whatever they are?
0: Well, certainly, of all the proposed unified leagues, the the so called Atlantic League has been the one in the past that has most credibility, which involves Scotland and two of the Scandinavian countries, I believe, as well. Mm. So, I mean, that's it's. It's always the interesting dialogue. I know fans of every other Scottish club will be going, oh, not again. But for Rangers and Celtic, who are always looking out for ways of you know, expanding their domination, the Atlantic League's always been one that has been thrown at us, hasn't
1: it? Yes, it has. Yes. And uh, I think the Netherlands and Portugal have also been mentioned. Mm. Uh, the Republic of Ireland teams have also been mentioned. Uh, you know, And, and, the, and the, these ideas, they come... And then they tend to disappear, but uh, eventually somebody might take a gamble, especially if there is no legal reason why it can't go ahead.
0: Mm. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. If you have indeed been able to listen, (laughs) if you haven't been sitting there going, why is this? I can see the thing on the screen, but there's no voices coming up. And thanks to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to join them and make a small monthly contribution, then please go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. And don't forget, if you make a donation of between 3 and £5, or even more, if you wish, you can avoid the adverts. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. I'm going back to London tomorrow, boohoo. so normal service will be resumed for next Monday. In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well,
1: thanks as always, folks, for the support for the show uh, through all the different ways. And uh, uh, we are we are genuinely touched. Um, I, I might be seeing some Newcastle fans, friends um, on Friday or Saturday. Uh, some have been in contact already asking about the best places to stay. In Brighton for the weekend, um, I think it's fair to say that Brighton's still in recovery from Pride last weekend. <laughs>
0: so, trust me, if, if Victoria Station was any indication of what it was going to be like in Brighton, then it would have been fun. Yes. <laughs> it's like a like a carnival. I mean, I've been to Victoria Station Weatherspoons many times at eight o'clock going to away matches, but. Never been surrounded by so many people in Boas waiting to get on a train to Brighton. It was wonderful. <laughs>
1: um, the, the other way that you can support the show is you can go on to your, uh, your podcast app and, and you can give us a review. It helps us in the charts. It helps us with the algorithms according to producer guy and he may not be away, but, but I'm still on message just for him. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you write in the review You could even say you would rather have the show presented by Pascal Gross and Shane McGowan of The Pokes, (laughs) and it wouldn't make a difference to me. It might make a difference to Kevin, though.
0: It might. But, yeah, Pascal would have a lot of heavy lifting to do in that, probably, really. (laughs) Uh, That would be useful for Bet365 to have a a market on how long it takes for Shane to wake up and speak. Uh, (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. by some football.